You unlock this benefit with the key of Patreon. Beyond is another dimension. A dimension of thought. A dimension of speculation. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both waffle and substance. Of things and ideas. You've just crossed into the podcast zone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our Twilight Journey. We are on to our 10th episode, Judgment Night. And we're going to be on to the uh, the deck of a ship in 1942. The fog rolls back and we find a man who is may- or maybe trapped in time. We'll find out. But Julian, how are you doing? You okay? Oh, yeah, I'm doing great. Um, you know, I seem like we I'm trapped in these Twilight Zone podcasts and they just keep <laughs> repeating and I don't know if I'll ever escape. What about you? That's it. I, I'm, I'm, I swear I sort of, you know, every time we log on, sort of hear that Rod Serling voice, you know. Here is a man recording what he thinks is the second of these podcasts. No, it's the same one over and over again. Uh, no, th- th- this is I'm good, but this 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 episode is better than last one. Yeah, I enjoyed it more than Perchance to Dream, but it still felt weak. This one, um, and although this one had a bit of a sort of a thing at the end of it, it's it it, it was it still felt lesser to me compared to some of the ones we've watched before. What do you think? No, I agree completely, and I and I think that it's. It's well put together, mm-hmm. but I think that one of the flaws of the Twilight Zone is that so often they come down to really like a single sentence or mm. you know, most like a couple sentences. And that's fine. And I think that's also one of the strengths is that um, Serling was able to take very simple concepts and basically expand on them, add scenes of the character's home life. How does this superpower or this weird event uh, affect this character how are these characters going to effectuate this you know thing at the end um, maybe there's one twist it's really very simple it's 30 minutes um, but I think the flaw with that is that when it feels as if you know all that elaboration is boring or you know just window dressing to pad out the episode you wind up feeling like okay this is really just one sentence. Get to the finale. You know, I could have used fifteen minutes instead of half an hour. Yeah, I think that's that thing. I mean, this is definitely stronger than the last one. Like, there's some interesting bits in it, and the guy who plays um, like the main character, sort of like the U-boat captain, is on this ship. is is actually quite good. I, you know, uh, and I like the fact that as it as it rolls out, like it's clear that like the information that he is presenting i mean i've got questions but they're good questions like it's making me ask questions but he, he keeps simply gaining information or he remembers things but it's never like it's never in time or never enough mm. and so it's it's all he's always destined to fail like he cannot save this ship he's never supposed to that's the point and then when it happens again that information will sort of roll out again in, in a specific way so he's never able to put one and one you know or two and two together to to make that final uh, save um but again like i say it's, it, it just seems to take a little too long uh, and it seems to repeat this idea of him not knowing you know um who he is however the conversation he has with the female um officer what's what was she like i like that that's, that's a cool scene where he's like you know you've got that feeling when like, you know that, that you feel like you've done something again and she starts talking about deja vu like it's it's um 
that 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 was interesting to me. That sort of thing was quite cool. What do you what do you think about the concept and that then? Yeah, I think that's good. You know, we don't find out until the end that he's repeating this. You know, mm. really. I mean, he has this sensation, but you know, and and has amnesia. And you're right that the amnesia is sort of like, you know. For future reference, writers of the world don't use that two episodes in a row. You know, yeah, um, not a great idea. But um, yeah, I mean, I I do think that it, it works better. I think one of the problems is that we sort of spend time investigating who he is, and that's all a red herring, right? That doesn't mm. matter. And it seems as if the you know, obviously, spoilers. The the end is that he's in hell. Uh, or some version thereof, and is repeating the sinking of this civilian ship. Um, well, I mean, it, it's it's potentially it's potentially transporting um, goods that would be useful in the war effort in 1942. But you know, he's a U-boat captain who's who sunk this and um, is sort of trapped on that ship eternally, being sunk over and over. Um, you know, that's poetic enough, but I guess we're supposed to believe that, like, it, it's like an alternate timeline where you're just on that ship and you're inserted into that ship. That's fine, but, you know, that's all a red herring. And then also, if that's the case, these other characters who I guess are projections of some sort, um, you know, not the real people... Uh, who presumably are in heaven or, or some other sort of afterlife, they don't remember either him magically appearing, you know, on board, yeah. um, you know, and I haven't checked his passport. I mean, there's a record of him. So, I mean, it's sort of like weird, the mechanics of this. And given that fact, it's strange that there's so much investigation of those mechanics. Well, the one thing, with, yeah, the, the first thing I noted with regards to the, like you say, those mechanics, like he appears on this ship, which has got several sort of like military officers on it, officers on it. It's a civilian ship, is what they say. Or it's, it, it may, it's carrying civilians at least, and it may be carrying other things. And he admits that his name is, you know, I don't know what his name is now, but Carl Lanzer. That's it, Lanzer. Yeah, which is, you know, he has a German accent, and he admits he's yeah. he was born in Hamburg, Germany. And it, Sterling has said at the start of the episode, Frankfurt. Sorry, yes. And then he actually says like, oh yeah, yeah, this is nineteen forty-two, and I'm like, okay. Height of the Second World War, if a military ship appeared and there was like a German guy in it, and then was a bit like, well, that's a bit suspicious, that guy would be in the brig or in a room like that. Mm -hmm. Like, there'd, there'd be no question. They'd be like, okay, you're 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 not even trying now as a spy. It, it, it just felt like everyone just feels a bit too comfortable going, oh, really? Your childhood in Frankfurt? That's fascinating. Let's talk about that some more. Um, and yeah, it. it Again, it's one of those weird ones where he should be. Well, I should be. I would find it more interesting if it did feel like he was like, "No, I'm here to save the ship. I can do something. There is something horrible happening. I've got to save the ship." And the the people he was trying to save were actually trying to stop him. So if there's that military was like, "We've got to take him out," and he was on the run on the ship at the same time, that would sort of adjust the stakes because then it's also like you know, obviously that then runs counter to we find out that he is obviously the the U boat captain that sinks the ship, and you have that interaction as well. And again, so it just all feels a bit. Although it's the information piece is interesting, him wandering around the ship just feels too easy. Yes, no, I had the same thought that you know, 
1942. Why you don't know who this guy is, and they're suspicious, mm. but it's you know, but it's like I want to see that guy's passport. No, he's you know, he's obviously German. You know, then this orderly finds his his hat. Yeah. You know, that's an officer's cap. This is in fact the commander of a U-boat. So you know that information already, and and so it's not as if. Like, there are aspects of that world on the ship that seem as if he, like an alternate timeline, as if he's been dropped into that, and that's the way this version of Hell works. Mm. You know, but because those characters have some sort of agency um, and don't, obviously, the first time through in real life, they didn't spend this time investigating this weird German guy. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, there are aspects that seem just utterly unrealistic. So why introduce those diversions? Um, it just seems confusing in that way. Well, there's a line that made me chuckle because they do, they do, they do challenge him and ask for his passport and papers. And he says, Oh, I think I've left them in my cabin. And the captain's instant response is, well, tomorrow's good enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, bring those by and show them to me in the next few days. If you remember yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, what? No, you can't have this guy wandering your ship. Um, yeah, I agree that the sort of mechanics of it feel clunky. Um, however, as he keeps remembering things, I kind of like, again, I like the main character. Like the guy who's playing it, this Lancer, is really good. Mm-hmm. And there's a great scene when he's in the corridor, he recognises, he, re- he realises what's going to happen, that there's a U-boat coming. And he's like, you know, he's seen it, hasn't he, the light coming. He's trying to get everybody off. Yeah. And he sees all the people that are going to die sort of like crowded together at the end of the corridor. Um, and you get a shot of them. And I was like, that's really cool. I really like that. Uh, as a bit of a, because that's when you're like, oh, okay. Like that was instantly, I was like, oh, okay. That's what this is. This is like you say, this, he is now getting this picture, this image of all the people that are going to die. Um, and now he's got to live through their deaths again and stuff. I was like, that's kind of like, you know, it's, it's that eye for an eye. Um, it's it's the it's the it's the it's the, the, the epilogue of the whole thing that then sort of like is basically sort of like in previous episodes it's been left a little bit ambiguous. This is just driving the nail home like really heavy for the last five minutes of the episode. I don't know if you thought about when it actually goes to him as a U boat captain, you have this whole mm-hmm. discussion between the U boat captain and one of his subordinates of like, you know, because you, you see the ship attacked, you see the people dying, and that's pretty bad. Like, there's one more, you see it not on fire, but like this indication of a woman mm-hmm. is burning, and it's like, it's pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wow. Um, but then when it goes to the U-boat captain and then having this conversation, I, there's parts of me that sort of like sided with the U-boat captain a little mm-hmm. bit, um, where he says to, to his lieutenant, whatever, and the, the lieutenant's like, well, it's a civilian ship, and we didn't give them warning. And the guy's like, yeah. Because then they'd have been given away their location, which is our location. Oh, right. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's a complete legit position to take. Like, you know, I get what you're doing is terrible because, but it's a war. Like, that is your job is to take out these ships. I mean, I agree with it, but if you're doing it well, I don't know. I was confused by this last conversation because that, even that felt a little bit. Well, I, I would say that it's strange that, you know, if this is in hell, has he, you know, like you're blending scenes of this hellish version with scenes that actually happen, right? Yeah. And we're not supposed to actually believe that once the ship is sunk, he like relives the experience 
after sinking the ship as the U-boat captain. So you see, it's a little strange there. Um, this thing about sympathize, right? So the issue there is like, is this or is this not a war crime? You know, and if that ship is transporting, you know, goods for the war effort, you know, at, at what point does it cross that line? You know, mm. and in international law experts would know better than I would. What I found really interesting was that I felt sort of this discomfort through this whole episode, especially about the feeling of, about the Nazis. Mm. So, you know, I mean, this is 1949 uh, when this aired. Yeah. It, this is the first fi- episode that's yeah, airing in uh, yeah. Right, so we're talking about, uh, you know, 15 years since the end of the war mm. uh, in Europe. Um, and... You know, at this point, obviously, you know, it's it's perfectly a cliche to be like, look, the Nazis are the ultimate bad guys. You want to yeah. put somebody in hell for what they did. I mean, look, the sinking of the Lusitania was, you yeah. know, a, a much bigger event. Right. I mean, you know, the fear of U-boats was real, but there were a lot of incidents like this and, and mm. not just in World War Two. And then I find myself thinking, you know, so I, I then I find myself thinking about the current the rise of neo-Nazism. And, you know, I find myself sort of conflicted between a sort of like the only good Nazi is a dead Nazi kind of, you know, gut feeling um, like, good, screw this guy. I'm <laughs> suffering forever. And the feeling that's sort of like, yeah. This was just another war, and it's strange that this guy is the guy who gets the treatment instead of, like, say, a guy who controlled the trains moving people to concentration camps or something. And that's, yeah, that's the issue I sort of have with it, is that, like, this act will have happened in the other direction. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, you know, and again, you're right about the Nazis being the villains in this piece, and that's fine. But there's still, if it was to expel this thing of like, if it was, if the end was loaded with this anti-Semitic rhetoric of sort of like, you know, well, this, you know, it was, it was called, I don't know, whatever it's called, you know, it was a, it was a Jewish captain. If there was the indication of there being some sort of like, you know, anti-Semitism in it or Nazi thing was about why this film was, why sorry, why this boat was targeted, then yeah, because it like you say, it's targeted for that specific reason. It's not though. It's like, oh no, it's 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 cargo ship. Yeah, it's got civilians on it, but it's still a cargo ship. So this is almost like a, uh, a like a transactional action of war. Like they need that, we're going to take it away. That's it. Like it's not vicious. It's not. It is malicious, but not in a sort of an ex- excessive way. And that's where I sort of I'm like, yeah, it's just doing an act of war. Like, it's not great, but it's no different to any other act of war that's gone on. It's just this cap. It's just this subordinate tries to act, give a counter. Where he's like, "Well, we should have given them a warning." I'm like, "You were still going to sink them. If anything, right. giving them a warning is just being smug about it." Like, I don't get what the what is the point. Um, well, I mean, I don't think that it's it's good to sink a civilian cargo ship, right? I mean, I don't think that's well, just another military, act got, of war. It's got, it's got military right. on it, they, right? He says it's got true. civilians on it, but they call yeah. it. And the captain's clearly wearing military uniform, the guy running the ship. So it's never completely clear. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I do find I'm like, why is he having to go through this? There's there's nothing here to pay for. Like, you know, again, they seem to refine this. Even in some of the episodes we're gonna get to, there's this idea of refining this idea of paying for your deeds. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but this one, see, like you say, this is, I, I can understand why they don't do a concentration camp because I think putting that on sort of like primetime television is probably not going to go down well. So they're probably leaning into that idea of he is a Nazi and he's paying for yeah. it as a representation of the whole Reich rather than individual. But, um, well, I mean, just as a final thought, you know, to elaborating on what you're saying, um, the crew does know that they're at risk, right? Yes. They're aware that there are U-boats out there and, and everything and, and that they can be sunk. So, all right. So that sort of like helps the drama, you know, sets it up. And obviously there was real fear of that. I mean, there mm. were passenger ships that, that did get sunk. Um you know, uh, in, in both world wars, and there was a legitimate fear, you know, the fear of, like, uh, you can't see that other ship, and it's just going to surface and destroy you. But, you know, the other thing is, you know, if we're supposed to underline that fear and his sin and how terrible this guy's deeds are, and you're quite right that that's, you know, such a weak point— they seem remarkably unconcerned about this <laughs> U-boat. He's the only one who's concerned. You know, and, yeah. and I found that very, uh, not just potentially unrealistic, but just a very odd choice. You know, I think the idea is to have him in hell overly, he knows inside, he knows what's going to happen. He's been repeating this live, die, repeat kind mm. of thing. Um, and, and so... The irony of the captain being the one who's most concerned is, I think, the the focus there. But it doesn't really work. Yeah, no, it's it's a good concept and a good idea. And again, I think this could, but I do agree this could have been strengthened. Uh, I really do. Um, but it's still good. I still like parts of it. Uh, just a final shout out. Um, as you say, sort of one of the things uh, that happened is, like you say, on that point, is that the engines are a bit knackered because they've lost their convoy. And when they stop at the bar, they've got a bar in there. They spend an awful lot of time in the bar. And the barman's just like, yeah, it happens. I'm sure they'll be fixed. And everyone else, like, no one else has t- appears worried at all. Um, I would say there's an actor that appears in this. I can't remember the guy's name now, but he does go. This is obviously 59. He he goes on to become John Steed uh, of the Avengers. Um, and so I'm watching this. So I know this happens because we had Merges, uh, Burgess Meredith in, in obviously in episode eight. Um, but you do have this guy turn up, and it's going to keep happening. Where I'm like, ooh! <laughs> so <laughs> it was just interesting to see John Steed on a, on a, a 1942 steamer. Uh, anyway, that was episode 10, uh, Judgment Night. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. And we shall continue our Twilight talk on the next episode. Um.